Welcome to the pod, Value Investor Podcast. This podcast helps you grow your wealth and become financially independent. My name is Becco and my partner, Hari. Good to see you, sir. Morning. Good, sir. Good, sir. NVIDIA, we're continuing our discussion on NVIDIA. Uh, in this episode, we're going to talk about their financials, their management, and valuation. If you haven't checked out the previous episode where we talk about the business, go ahead and check that out before you come to this episode. Uh, yeah, and before we, uh, before we begin, we're just going to give you the disclaimer one more time. This is uh, for uh, entertainment and education purposes only. Um, <clears throat> you know, what we are discussing here, we don't know your financial situation. We don't know your personal thing. We're not your financial advisor. Uh, so, you know, take everything we're here um, and, it, you know, into consideration, but yep. you have to do your own research and your own, uh, mi- you know, decision making before yeah. uh, investing. And we'll talk about why that is in terms of, you know, why you have to do it yourself more in detail when it comes to valuation. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on down the checklist. Also, we're going through value investors checklist when we analyze companies like Nvidia. So if you don't have a checklist in front of you or don't, you know, didn't have access to it before, uh, send us an email at info at valueinvestor.org for a checklist. We would be happy to send this out to you guys so that you can have it, read it through it. That'll help you kind of frame your mind in, uh, in analyzing companies and understand what we're going through here in this podcast. Okay. Uh, let's move on to the financial, um, Right off the bat, we asked this question. Is the company able to translate its moat into high returns on capital? We talked about moat in the previous episode. That's one of the last topics that we talked about. But is it able to translate that moat into high returns on capital? Uh, Returns on capital can be be, described in many different kind of ratios. Um, But we like to to stick with uh, ROE, ROIC, RO. CE, many different flavors, but these are kind of the, the general um, returns on capital ratios that we like to use. So, yeah, and all of these are just bas- basically telling you how profitable is the company, Yeah. right? And so the more profitable they are, the less money they have to invest in order to make, you know, <coughs> another dollar. So yeah, exactly. uh, the higher the number, the better. Uh, also, all. I want to give a sh- plug in here. If you haven't listened to the valuation ratio... Do check that out because we cover all of this. Uh, yeah. ROE, ROIC, ROCE, all, all, those, all these things, valuation ratios, uh, operational ratios, all those uh, ratios that we use are have been covered by previous episodes. So yeah. please so we do won't, check that out. We won't define them again uh, you know, because I think uh, it would be better for you to listen to those first yeah. if you don't know. Okay. Uh, if you let's, – let's dive into the numbers here. Yeah. Um, so if you look – I mean if you go – if you look at 2018 number for ROE, it's incredibly high. It's 40%, 41%. I mean, think about that. 41% ROE. That's that's really high. But if you only look at one year's number, it's very deceiving. That's why you have to look at all these different previous years. You know, maybe average five, five years worth of data or four years worth of data. you got to look past just one year. Um, so if you do that, it tells kind of a different story here. Starting from 2014, I'm going to read you guys out loud return on equity from 2014. So 2014, it was about 10%. 15, it went up to 14. 16, about the same. 13, 17, it went down to barely like 
sub 1%. And then 2018, it just exploded. So on average, I haven't done the calculation, but average, I don't know, say like It's 20, probably low 20s. 20s, yeah. 20, yeah. like 20% ROE. <clears throat> and then return on invested capital, return on capital employed, they're about, they're drawing kind of the similar trends here. They start very low, one single digit, and then it explodes up to 51% for return on invested capital, return on capital employed, 30-something percent. So just, it draw, it, it, it has this hockey stick um, you know, exponential growth for all these different numbers. Well, and, and that a lot of that is reflected in the last years. Uh, tw- 2018 was a banner year for them. Yeah. Uh, cryptocurrency was at its peak. There was a lot of purchase of um, these GPUs. So they were really, what they were doing was leveraging, you know, what was a gaming, you know, card was now being bought in, you know, record numbers. So there was no additional investment is why it was the profitability number went up yeah you know from a high level that's what you know what you're seeing is is reflected in that percentage is essentially you know they did all of the r&d and instead of selling 100 units they sold 500 units yeah. right as you know so it was a lot more than was was normally mm-hmm. uh, present and that's why that profitability number went up cryptocurrency is kind of fading away but i think what what it's being replaced by is a lot of the data center stuff so yeah. I think, you know, going, looking forward, this profitability number will probably be closer to the 25 to 30 range yeah. than it, than the, the traditional historical number. Yeah. So that's, that's the important part of this measurement is it's not just looking at it, what it was historically, because four years ago was there a different company and looking at it now, you know, I, I think they're going to be able to maintain a higher level of profitability, which is obviously a fantastic thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for them and for for their shareholders, but I I don't know that what that I, I I would say there isn't a lot of operating history at this point to know that right um, to know how long that can last, um, but I do think that the future for them the next five to ten years the near term data centers are going to be buying GPUs, gaming is going to still be very popular automotive industry automotive industry is going to be growing heavily so I see a lot of future places for them to leverage. The chip that they build once, now they're selling into n- different industries, mm-hmm. which it translates into higher profitability. So yeah. I, I think that's a very good sign for them. Yeah. Yeah. Again, we talked about the technical edge as one of their moat. And clearly we see here uh, in the most recent years, you know, maybe starting from 2015, 16, you can see that um, it has been able, they have been able to translate that into high returns on capital. And the question is, you know, will they be able to continue this? So that's, you know, that's kind of the, where your judgment comes in um, yeah. to play. Okay, um, let's move on to the next question. Yeah, so looking at the financials, does the company have enough cash to maintain its business? Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the cash on hand. Uh, cash, cash equivalent of marketable securities. from two thousand. So in 2018, they have about $7 billion worth of cash equivalent so straight up cash they have about four million or four four billion and marketable security is about three billion um so i mean that, that plenty plenty of cash they're sitting on um in terms of you know liquidity uh, liquidity uh, problems they don't really have a liquidity problem they have commercial paper available revolving credit facility available i mean virtually every company that's <coughs> that's that's operating have all these uh you know lines of credit 
to to be able to supply the liquidity they need to to grow. So that's not a problem for them. But the the, the quick the key question. You're going to say something? Well, all, all I was going to say is what we're really looking for is, is this going to derail the business, right? Are they not going to be able to function because they don't have enough yeah. cash and other things on hand? I Like, we don't... The only t- reason that you would really have to get into the details here is if there's, they're close to having a problem. Yeah. And I don't think they're, you know, they're there. The, yeah. So... And if you look at... So, to Hari's question, you know, are they going to go out of business? Are, like, is it... Is there impending gloom and room coming from the horizon so you have to for that you have to look at the debt levels if you look at the debt level um see in 2018 they have about 2 billion in debt long-term debt uh and then 2014 about 1.3 and then the debt level i think i believe it spiked in 2014 um but if you look at debt to equity ratio you know about 20 percent 26 percent 2018 has been around 30 percent uh, for the for the past five years, if you look at debt to free debt to um, debt to uh, free cash flow, right now 2018, it's below one, so 068 uh, percent. So they're in good they're in good financial health. Um, the current ratio, which is kind of the money that that you need to kind of run you know run the business now, they're they're doing well here as well. So I don't see any impending gloom. Yeah, in the horizon. I, I mean, a, a, a you know, a recession may have a big impact because you know, gaming cards and stuff like that are kind of a uh, they're not a staple. Yeah, you know, people will forego purchases in in a tough environment. Um, but you know, I don't. I also don't see them. They have enough cash on hand to weather a a recession. Uh, so I don't see that being too much of an issue for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Yeah. So yeah, so let's uh let's move on to then to the uh the management discussion. So Yeah. I think management is quite interesting. Are you are we talked about this before the podcast how yeah. transparent they are with their management incentive. Yeah, and I I I'll tell you that they are probably in the top you know, 5% in terms of being transparent about that stuff. Um it's very refreshing to see that. Um and I'm also, you know, a big fan of their CEO. You know, this is a you know, people talk about a lot of CEOs as being uh, flashy and things like that. You know, but Jensen uh, Huang is a very interesting guy. Like he founded this company, yeah. still still works there, still the Runs CEO, there, yeah. um, and smart guy. And you know, so uh, you know, so let's let's ask the questions: Is management properly incentivized to protect shareholders' interests over its own? Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, if you look, you know, Hari's talking about, you're talking about the the transparency. They say this. They say, in fiscal year 2018, performance-based compensation represented 92% and 57% of the total target pay of Mr. Hang and other um, other non-executive officers, respectively. So, in terms of the alignment of the executives with the shareholders, they are pushing aggressively to make this happen and they have made it happen but they're pushing it further further to 100% you know stock based uh, compensation performance based compensation and so what i would say to to your question about you know is the incentive structure aligned with the shareholders and i would say i would say definitely yes yeah um i mean just look at you know 92% 92% at so percent at risk at risk pay for a CEO 
is ninety-two percent. Yeah. So th- when they say that at-risk pay, that means performance-based. So yeah. it's not a guarantee. He has a base salary that's guaranteed. Yep. Um, and then if he doesn't perform, or if he performs above the expectations, then he he gets a layered, you know, thing. And this is uncommon to see like how they've structured all yeah. of this and how they've laid it out. And they actually surveyed, you know, the top 20 of their institutional holdings uh, and asked them, do you think that this, yeah. they didn't, they weren't required to do so. They just did that on their own. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's, you know, that, that's admirable for them, you know, to, to, to do so, because I think what it, it really reflects is their commitment to being transparent with who, you know, how their pay is going. So, I, what I would tell you is when I see things like this, that makes me very interested, mm-hmm. right? For one, that I, I, I love companies that uh, make a very uh, concerted effort to be friendly to their shareholders, which I think that this company has done uh, very well. Yeah. The CEO already, I mean, like Harry said, he founded the company. He owns about seven, about 4%, 3.87% of the company. So, and, his- as, and as far as I know the majority of his net worth is tied up in this investment. So exactly. if you're putting your money down with, uh, you're investing alongside the CEO. Yeah, you know. exactly. And one of the things that I want to touch on is, is this, you know, it is percent at risk pay for performance, but the perfor- the measurement of performance might be erroneous, for example. Right. Right. So you have to look at, okay, how, how are they being measured? Like, right. what are they looking at? And I, I, I dug into their 10K and found this. So they're measured on three different verticals. One is revenue. Second is non-GAAP operating income. And then the, th- the third one is stock performance, the actual stock performance. So what do you think about those? So I certainly think operating income is the right target for them to, to go for. Revenue, I think, is harder, right? Um, but they're not in an industry where they can kind of force revenue um, you know, they sell what they can sell. Right. And that's like, you know, after cryptocurrency kind of blew up or, uh, or collapsed, I should say, mm-hmm. uh, is a better term. You know, they can't force people to buy their cards. Mm-hmm. Right. It's not, you know, so that's not the best target for me. I would say if they, they've put everything on operating income, I would be very happy with that. Mm-hmm. Um, because that really f- reflects, are they controlling their costs? Um, and that's the that's the number because they can't control their tax rate and they can't really control uh, much in the interest that, you know that you know they have. But so we wouldn't want to look at net income. Um, <clears throat> and I'm also not a fan of stock performance, right? Because I think what what happens with stock performance uh, incentives is that you can you can you can kind of financially engineer stock buybacks when the price is still already high mm. just to push it a little higher <coughs> and i would prefer them to actually buy back shares when the stock price is low mm. which is a better use of capital um so but i'm not i'm not a, opposed to their in, in their plan yeah, right yeah. I, I mean i think it's very transparent it's a it's reasonable um cuz revenue targets is something that he can't engineer the only thing in this really is is the stock performance oh, yeah. which <coughs> clearly he didn't engineer it well enough because it dropped by from like 300 to, to 120 or so mm-hmm. so I, I would say there's nothing that i'm too worried about there yeah and kind of that's a i think that's a great segue to excess cash management yep um 
again, excess cash, like Kari said, you could have these excess cash and engineer the stock price by issuing a huge buyback and they're therefore elevating the stock price uh, artificially. But here's what they've done. So with excess cash last year, they returned about $1.25 billion to shareholders in 2018 through a combination of share buyback and uh, dividends. Uh, so about about $900, $900 million in share buyback and 341 in quarterly cash dividend. Yeah, so that's about half of their free cash flow is what they're... They're, they're, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Proposing in the future is what, comparing it to 2018's numbers, they're saying they're going to do another 1.25. Yeah, they're during uh, in fiscal 2019, they're going to do another 1.25. Yeah, exactly. <coughs> yeah, do quarterly dividends and share purchases. Yeah, so that's how they manage cash. Any any kind of commentary on that? Well, I think the only thing that I would say right now is. Um, Let's talk a little bit about the valuation yeah. first because, you know, th that's where this kind of gets more difficult. I, and I think, you know, we posted this on our Sketch Sketchers article on Seeking Alpha. Yep. And some of the comments were around, you know, the discount rate yep. that we used, um, that we were too conservative with the discount rate. So, uh, you know, if I can, you know, speak to that for a little bit. Sure. You know, I think what, what, we, what I would like to say, you know, in regards to that is, the reason that we are so conservative is that we have an absolute threshold that we have to cross. It's not related to interest rates. It's not related to anything else. The discount rate to us, and there's debate on what discount rate to use and all that, is the discount rate is, is in, in my mind, is the opportunity cost for investing in something else, right? So the I follow what Warren Buffett preaches because I think he's a the best investor in, on the planet, right? And his philosophy is is that it should be the return on equity of the your next best investment. So if it can't beat that number, then it's not worth it, right? And so that's why his return his discount rate is very high. So to me, the safest, you know, mostly safe investment is the S and P five hundred, which has historically returned about nine to ten percent. So we just used a ten percent discount rate. That number may be low to some and high to some, you know, uh, people. But I'm not going to waver from that. It has served me well for, you know, 20 years now. Uh, and you know, I, I think the thing is, is that when you look at our growth rate estimates for Nvidia that we're going to present, they're also very conservative. Um, and the reason that we do that is, is that people are going to say, well, then you're never going to be able to buy anything. They're going to find one, yeah. Yeah, and so what I would say is. When it's raining gold outside, I don't want to be walking around with a thimble, right? As Buffett said in his last, you know, two years ago in his uh, annual letter. I'm willing to wait in cash until, you know, something really compelling comes along. And that may mean that you listen to a lot of these podcasts and you find at the end of the, the rainbow there, there is no gold. Because we can't, it's, it doesn't meet the threshold. And what that means is that you're going to get a higher rate of return when you invest because you're being more conservative with your estimates. NVIDIA may explode and they may shoot up to $500 a share in the next five years and you're like, you look like a moron because you didn't invest. I'm willing to make those, you know, t to take those, you know, those risks because I'm not interested in making money. I'm interested in not losing money. That is my number one priority, you know, when we invest. 
right, is rule number one, don't lose money. Rule number two, don't forget rule number one. So when we talk about this stuff, we use conservative estimates. If you're not, if you want to use a lower margin of safety and a lower discount rate, by all means do so, but that's your decision to make. This is how we, we evaluate companies and this is how we invest. Mm-hmm. So, and that may mean that we only have one good idea a year and yep. I'm, co- I'm totally fine with that. Yeah. It will also mean we mean three years we have no good ideas. Yeah. I'm also totally fine with yeah. that. So one or two, one or two really good ideas will do it for anybody really. Yeah. 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 Uh, okay. So let's, with that, let's dive into the actual valuation that we have done. Yeah. Um, do you want to pull up the, uh, let's pull up the, uh, discounted cash flow model right here. So we put in, again, we put in, we were, we're again, kind of going off of what Hari talked about growth rate. We're, we're going really conservative to 20%. Again, uh, they've been growing at, um, pretty aggressive r- rate recently, but about 30%, but we want to make sure that we stay conservative with those estimates because, you know, the, the cryptocurrency bust happened and we don't know what's going to happen. We think that it's going to grow quite a bit. I mean, 20% is still very aggressive for three years. Yeah. That's aggressive. Um, but still, you don't want, we don't want it to, we don't want to overshoot. Right. So we, we put in 20% for the first one to three years and then rest uh, four to six years, about 10%. And then last three years, 5%. 5%. And then discount rate here again, 10%. And we run the calculation and we get about $65. Um, this is after debt and then adding back cash. So uh, $65, $65 per share. And again, you know, this is not an exact science. You can obviously fool yourself by lowering the discount rate, by hyping up the growth rate and all that. But, uh, that's that's kind of our our take on this. About sixty five percent is what I would say a comfortable intrinsic value for this company. Yeah, and I, you know I think one of the things that what is hard about this. So first of all, I, I want to say one thing. Sure. At the right price, this is a slam dunk buy. Yeah. Right. I I have no questions about this company in terms of moat, in terms of long term prospects, in terms of anything it really. Yeah. Right. But my only concern is is that I'm a value investor. Price is price matters to me, right? And so, if I were to assign them a 25% growth rate for the next 10 years, right? Yeah. It still would not be enough to justify their current share price, right? Yeah. I wouldn't have a significant margin of safety, right? And so, yeah, go ahead and put in like 30 for the for the for the whole 10 years. Yeah, and at at 30, you're still looking at. A share, a current intrinsic value of one hundred and forty dollars a share. So right now it's trading at what? Uh, right now, let's see. Give us a second to about one hundred and fifty dollars a share. Yeah, one hundred fifty dollars. So that price is justified if if this company is able to grow at thirty percent for the next ten years. So every single year it grows at thirty percent. Yeah, which I mean, let's be honest, it could actually happen. It could happen, yeah. But it still, you know, doesn't have enough of a margin of safety, right? And and, and to me, that's kind of the where where I see this being is is whenever the next recession happens, I have Nvidia on my checklist or on my watch list, yep. 
And if it falls, I'll redo my calculation, my value calculation. If it falls below that threshold and there is a good enough margin of safety, I will buy with both hands, right? I, I'll put all of my money in I, and I'm willing to say 30% of my portfolio I can put into this company because I don't really have any questions about management or moat or any of those things. There, that All of those things are a slam dunk in my mind. You, you may have a different opinion, um, you know, and, and, you know, you may have more inside knowledge or whatever. Yeah. Or you may not know about this industry at all. Yeah. But, but outside of circle competence, but, but really the, you know, I, I, I consider myself fairly knowledgeable about the graphics, you know, market and the industry. And I, they're a solid company, right? I, I can't say anything really too negative about them. I just can't justify a purchase at this price right and so you know you can play with the numbers and make some you know fool yourself into thinking that right but you could have also said at 250 dollars or 300 dollars a share oh i mean they're just growing like crazy you know and it's going to go on forever and then the share price drops by 70 yeah. percent or 50 percent rather and you're left holding, holding the bag, the bag yeah. right and so that's why that's so important yeah. right is that we have to be fairly rigid about these kind of things because, and and, you know, you can play with the numbers, you can figure out what you want to say, but I I, I would say it's, it's just a little bit too pricey. Even at these, this price point, if it's below a hundred dollars, I'm a lot more interested in this company. Oh yeah. You know, I mean, if it dips below a hundred dollars, that's, I mean, that's very interesting right there. Yeah. Yeah. And again, Again, uh, I think you might want to touch on the discount. Again, kind of going back to what you talked about earlier in the episode about, you know, we can't make these judgment calls for you, whether right. to buy or sell is because when you run this calculation, you're putting in your own discount rate, yeah. discount rate being your next best opportunity. Right. And so whatever your opportunity, the next best opportunity is, be it, I don't know, for example, Google or whatever, or whatever your next best opportunity is, what is that return? Put that in here. Right. And do the calculation yourself because we don't know your financial situations. Right. And we also don't know your circle of competence, right? Only you know that. Yeah. And so you wouldn't, you know, you may have a great idea in a sector that we have no knowledge of. Exactly. And have evaluated a company and you've seen a good rate and it's a solid business. Mm -hmm. You know, I think Warren Buffett actually uses Wells Fargo as his yardstick in a lot of ways. You know, they have a very high return on equity of 15%. 16 percent it's it's way up there uh, especially for a bank and so his his yardstick is always if i'm going to invest in this company i have a dollar to spend i could also just put it put that dollar into wells fargo yeah Uh, why would i why wouldn't i and and so that that's kind of his thought process is is always around that yeah so and look let's be honest you know the difference between being strict about this and you know, you lose money a, a couple of times, it can wipe out a huge, you know, you know, amount of gains that you get, you know, a 50% loss, you know, y- you have to now double your money to get back to that, right? Which is why we want to be very conservative about all of these, these estimates and, and these valuations, because when we find something in that, in that range, we're ready to pounce on it. Yeah, so exactly. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so that was NVIDIA. Uh, it's pretty exciting company. A lot of, a lot of things going for itself. Um, I think bright future ahead, but I think for us, the problem here is the valuation. 
Yeah. Um, it is a little too expensive for our taste, but go and do the exercise for yourself. See what you find out about NVIDIA. And email us and exchange with us yeah, if you have love any to comments. Have, love to have a com- conversation about it. Yep, absolutely. Okay, thank you guys for listening this episode, episode 40. Think about that. It's a big milestone for us right there. Yep. Okay, uh, again, reach out to us at info at valueinvest.org um, for any questions or concerns. And okay, I'll see you on the next episode. All right. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you.